Welcome to the Grace Place Weekly Podcast. No matter your size, age, shade, or background, here you'll receive compelling lessons suited to help guide your walk with Christ and your relationships with others. Please join us now for this week's podcast, recorded live from Grace Place in St. Paul, Minnesota. The story of Jesus began before God created the world. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. If that doesn't really ring a bell or really excite you, at least take that as a fact. That when you read in the Old Testament stories and events, it's pointing to Jesus. The Bible is about a relationship, God and us. It's not just a bunch of stories. It's a progressive revelation. Would you say progressive revelation? It's a progressive revelation, and it's helping us understand God's feelings, God's heart toward us. And it builds and builds until finally, in the New Testament, the beginning of the story of Jesus, is he is birthed and he is the son of God. He is the expression of God's love. And still that may not excite you overly, and you may think, well, those are great facts and and the prophecies and all, but when we get to the point where you are receiving what he's doing, when you are as a person receiving from God, Almighty God, the blessings that he intended for you, that changes your life. That changes everything. Got it? So everything points to Jesus. And two weeks ago, I spoke about Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, they sowed fig leaves together and I'll just give you the two verses from the last couple of weeks. Genesis 3, 21 says, And God made coats of skins for them. That's what that story is about. Our Bibles, most of them over the third chapter, say the fall of man. It's not about the fall. It's about that coat. If you know that it's all about Jesus, you realize we all fall. We've all made mistakes. Thank God for a covering that God gave them a coat his righteousness instead of theirs. And so they sewed fig leaves together trying to cover their nakedness, and God covered them. God gave them a gift. So the message two Sundays ago was the first Christmas present. It was a coat because it's pointing to Jesus. Last week, not only did I preach about the ark when God told Noah, build an ark, but we also dedicated Ollie last Sunday. Um, I'll finish this as I come down by Garrett. And um, the, if you're taking notes or if you're listening on the podcast, Genesis 7:18, that, that verse is the most important verse about the ark. The most important verse about Genesis 3 and the fall and the garden and Adam and Eve is God made them coats. The most important verse in this this uh, Gilgamesh epic or the story of the flood is Genesis 7, 18, and the ark floated. That's the big deal. And so I'm preaching about that last Sunday. We dedicated Ollie, and then, Garrett, you had no clue I was coming back here, but you're holding that boy. Did you have a clue by what I said a minute ago? Okay. Um, this is Garrett Simonson. Would you welcome him this morning? He's uh, tending to his son. Garrett, you just hold that. Yeah. See, I, 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 want you, give them, I want you to give them a general, just a general quick 
history, who you are, where you came from, and what you felt, what was going on, would you? As of up to, like, like what I told you about last night? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we came to this church maybe two years ago. Um, yeah, it was in a time, I mean, many of you have probably heard the story if you've been around a bit, but Mick and I met in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere where you shouldn't meet people. And it was uh, kind of a miracle in itself, but at the time, too, it was, you know, not just that we met, but we, we were laughing the other week before Ollie's dedication about how many churches we went to, you know, in the short maybe six to eight months before we met, trying to find a place that both Lauren and I could connect together. I think we both had separate paths to some sort of God that we believed in, but could not find a place where we could be together in it. Um, and that was, you know, right before we were married, that we met you and have been here since. And dedicating Ollie last week was a really kind of powerful experience for me. Um, you know, as I kind of reflected on it, we just had an amazing experience with all of you here. And, and it was the first time ever that I walked away from there that, like, I felt as we raise Ollie um, over the next you know, decades that if I teach him, you know, I grew up in a church and, but I never had a belief of my own really. And I knew the stories and, but I would have told you like two years ago, if you would have had me teach Ollie about Jesus, I could have taught him stories, but I couldn't have taught him things I believed in. And after last week, I said for the first time ever, I believe that I can teach him and I can teach him things I believe. Um, and that's because of because of what's taught here under this roof um, with all you people. And that was, that felt really, really good. Um, <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, he, he told me that last night, and it just overwhelmed me to think that. How old are you, Garrett? At 33 years old, he has an experience with God on a Sunday morning that says, I believe. I believe. I receive Jesus. I'm a believer. I can tell my son what I believe. Hallelujah. And so with that in mind, today, um, I want to tell you again that the Old Testament and all of the stories are pointing to Jesus. And it can just be stories to you, Garrett. You can just say, that's a, that's a cool story. That's a, that's a cool thought. Until you realize, like with Adam and Eve... That he said, I will cover you. I'll take away your sin. I'll take away your shame. You don't have to hide anymore. You know, they were hiding. I'm telling you now, before I preach this message today, a part of this introduction, I believe that at Grace Place, we are changing the culture of Christianity. It seems to me that everywhere I've been, Garrett, and all the churches I've attended and been with and the people that I know that call themselves Christians spend their lives sewing fig leaves together, trying to figure out how to get it right, trying to figure out how to cover themselves, trying to figure out a plan, a catechism, a, a list of rules, things that we can do that would cover us. And that's not true. There's nothing you can do. If Jesus doesn't show up in your world, you're not going to be covered. If you don't believe it, you don't understand it. He did it, but you don't live it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? He died for you, whether you like it or not, 
whether you believe it or not. He's got you covered whether you believe it. But if you don't believe it, you continue all of your life sewing fig leaves together, doing your best to figure out how to cover it up. I've watched churches, all the churches that I know and all of the people that I talk with are sewing and packing PFDs, personal flotation devices, trying to find safety rings, trying to figure out how to design lifeboats in case this boat doesn't float, but the boat floats. You can't look for other ways besides Jesus. He is the way. Get in the boat. Believe in him. Let him cover you. Receive the boat. Get in the boat. Your efforts will not live and survive the storm. Do you see what I'm saying? We did it. I did it. My whole life was an effort to be saved. My whole life was an effort to be right with God. Have a bad thought, try to take it out. Say a bad word, try to get that out. Make plans against the plan of God and try to... All my life I was working and all, the, all of my life it was his coat and his boat. I can't do a thing about it. I got to take his coat. I got to quit sewing fig leaves. I got to quit trying to figure out how to build a little lifeboat in case this boat won't float. Are you listening to me? And the culture of Christianity has been a constant culture of works and doing and us producing. If you know that's true in your life, would you say amen? And it's hard. God knows I've prayed and it's hard to turn a church and change the culture of a church to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus. Hallelujah. When you're in the ark, you can sleep because it floats. The storm can rage wild and it can rain for 40 days and nights, but you're in the ark. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. So the culture of Christianity, every group that I know, every group sewing fig leaves together and making personal flotation devices. Every group. And so this morning, as a third part of this series, I want to start again with exalting Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, please. So I am, uh, in my sermon today, I'm going to tear down the culture of this false Christianity again and tell you that no matter what you do, it will not compare to what Jesus did. That you can't add to what Jesus did. Would, ever, would somebody just agree with that? You cannot improve on what God did through Jesus Christ. You just can't. You can say, well, we got to do this or that. No, you can't do anything at all to improve what God has done. On the cross, Steve, Jesus Christ set the whole world forever right with God. He didn't try. God, I'm preaching already. I'm trying to read this verse. He didn't make you a candidate for salvation. He came in to save you. He's the Savior. He's not selling tickets to the concert. He's the concert. Do you understand me? You don't buy this. You don't purchase this. He purchased it and gave it to you. Somebody turn and look at somebody and say, it's a gift. Just tell somebody, it's a gift. It's a gift. Say it again. It's a gift. 
It's a gift. And I've heard people say, well, yeah, you got to receive it. you got to believe it. No, he gave it to you while you were dead. He woke you up from the dead. The gift is life. He gave you life when you were dead in sins and trespasses. You didn't say, okay, I'll take it. This sounds good to me. No, he gave it to you before you were born. He died on the cross before you were born so that when you were born, you would be born into forgiveness. You were born into grace. Do you hear me? You were born into a gift. And the church went backwards. And said, these are the things you've got to do to earn it. You don't have to earn it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You have to receive that. And I know it's against culture, and I know it hard. It was hard for me, and I recognize how difficult this is. That's why I started two weeks ago saying, just take the coat. For God's sake, it's a gift. Take it. Get in the boat. It's built. It floats. Quit doing all the other stuff. And today... I'm going to talk about Jesus, and then I'm going to preach to you the third message. This is Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> Does that make you happy? That's what he's going to do. He's not going to try to do it. It's not going to be an attempt by God. This is not an attempt. Today, tomorrow night, somebody's going to attempt a field goal. Somebody's going to try to kick a football through the goalpost, and some of them from a long distance. And some will make it, and some will fail to make it. Right? Some will try, but I'm going to tell you, this is not a try. He didn't try. This is not an attempt by God. To work on a bunch of wicked people like us. Screwed up, messed up, confused people. Especially, you know the hardest people to save? The hardest people to convince? Christians. Because they've been sowing fig leaves and building boats. They can't hardly believe it's a gift. Say it again to somebody. Tell me it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. I'm going to change the culture of Christianity this morning. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody say God. No, say G-A-W-D, God. Say God. God is with us. Does that still blow anybody's mind but mine? God is with us. Jesus is God with us. Not an angel. Not an emperor. Not the social security department. God. God is with you. I know you're bad. I know your history. I know most of you. And you know me because I confess it. My wife says, do you have to tell them everything? And I'm telling you today, if it weren't for Jesus, none of us could be saved. No amount of work, no amount of effort, no amount of faithfulness, holiness, no matter if I wear a white shirt and tie, it doesn't get me any closer. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Come on, say Mighty God. He's the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He, the Son, is the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Whew, glory. Isaiah 53, I'm talking about Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus today. Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to read 5 through 11. Hey, buckle your seatbelts. i got to give you something today. Out of the middle of this sermon, this is just, this is just reading verses. I'm just getting started, okay? Just put your seatbelt on because it's going to help you. 53.5. He was pierced for our transgressions. And you're allowed to say amen through this if you love these verses and it means something to you, would you? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. That's you and me. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. I want to go back for just a moment to verse 10. Please, would you put that up on the board for me? The Lord makes his life a guilt offering. Everybody say guilt offering. Now hold that place if you have a Bible. Hold that place. And would you please go with me to Leviticus chapter 5. Leviticus chapter 5. This verse in Isaiah is referring to the guilt offering. Everybody say guilt offering. Jesus became our guilt offering. I read from Leviticus chapter 5, the reference that 
Isaiah 53.10 points to and is in verse 14, Leviticus 5.14. Would you stand? Do it, that's good, nice and slowly. Because when I read this verse, I don't want you to jump up and hurt your back. I don't want you to kick a pew or hurt somebody. Because this ought to make you want to stand up and shout like your team just scored. The Lord said to Moses, when a person commits a violation, have you done that? And sins, how about unintentionally? In regard to any of the Lord's holy things, he is to bring to the Lord as a penalty a ram from the flock, one without defect, the proper value in silver, according to the sanctuary shekel, it is a guilt offering. Everybody say, he is a guilt offering. Jesus is the guilt offering. Look at this now. He must make restitution for what he has failed to do in regard to the holy things. Add a fifth of his value to that, give it to the priest, make atonement for him. With the ram as a guilt offering, he'll be forgiven. You can be seated. I so thrill at the idea that the blood of Jesus Christ washes my sins away. I'm so thrilled that he laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I can't bear the guilt of my own sin. I can't bear the fact that I'm no further along than I thought I would be. And I haven't done all the things that I'm supposed to do. And he became a guilt offering for the things that we failed to do. Hallelujah. He took away the sin of the things I've done. And he took away the sin of the thing I didn't do. He's the guilt offering. It's a double whammy. It's more than they told us. He's greater than they said. Hallelujah. Jesus did more than I knew. He didn't just take away what I've done. He also took away the things I didn't do. Glory to God. Take a ram. Now let's please go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. This is the third in this series. This is the verse. We were in Genesis 3 last two weeks ago about the coat. Genesis 6 and 7 and 8 last Sunday about the boat. And now Genesis 22, please. Verse 1, sometime later God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Do those verses sound familiar to you about Jesus? Your only son? Mm, the son that you love? Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to the servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and 
placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Before I go any further, let's just stick to this thought for a second. How many of you thank God that Abraham said, God will provide the lamb? Do you see that points to Jesus? If you think that points to Jesus, would you say amen? Everything points to Jesus. The coat points to Jesus. The boat points to Jesus. Now Abraham is saying, God's going to provide. God will provide. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13. Would you read it aloud with me, please? 13 and 14. We'll read slowly, but we'll read aloud, please. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, read with me, he saw a ram. What, what did we read? Hold up. Just what, what, what's it? what was the Leviticus 5 about? Take a ram. He saw a ram, let's read on, caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So we have, and God made them coats, the single most important portion of a verse in chapter 3 of Genesis. We have Genesis 6, 7, 8, talk about the, the flood, and the most important verse, the most important in that whole thing is, and the ark floated. Here we have this incredible story. God gives Abraham a commandment. And he said, I want you to take your son to the mountain I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice him there. When Abraham gets there, does all the preliminary work, gets Isaac up on top of the altar, he raises his hand with the knife, and God stops him. Look at me. At the moment of that interruption, the command to kill Isaac is over. Stay with me. Come on. The moment of the interruption, we have a new plan. Right now, you were doing everything you were told. You came right to the instant of obedience, and God interrupted it. Can I tell you that when the angels sang... And when they said to the shepherds, there's someone born to you this day in the city of David, and he's a savior. Boom! The commandment, the obedience, 
The law is over. It's over. Stop. Stop. Don't do it. Quit it. Instantly, Abraham looks up and he saw a ram in the thicket. Everybody say saw. That's great. You can sit here today and look and see it. But the greatest part of this story, you've heard it all your life, Jeannie, is Abraham took the ram. My God, God provided. But Abraham took it. And I'm saying to you today, Grace Place, take the ram. For God's sake, quit sowing fig leaves and trying to build boats. Quit trying to do sacrifices. Quit going back to the law. Take the ram. He's the ram. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't talk in tongues long enough. You can't fast long enough. You can't dress right. You can't do enough. Take the ram. It's the substitute. It's the substitute that God provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. That's Jesus We have degraded him. We've downplayed it. We've made him less than. We've cursed Jesus. We've made him a part of the story. He is the story. He is the point. It's not about you and me. It's about Jesus Christ. This is not a principle-centered universe. It is a person-centered universe. And the churches have gotten off into all these principles and rules and regulations. And tell me if it's not the truth. Our doctrines have split us apart. We kill one another. We ostracize one another. We exclude people over a verse or a doctrine when Jesus said take the ram there's one sacrifice for us all Merry Christmas I gotta get a I gotta get a drink this makes me crazy I've been all these years I've tried my best to preach Jesus and I am uh, sitting in the prayer chair And I read, and Abraham took the ram. How monumental. How life-changing. How religious-busting is that idea. How denominational-destroying is that idea. It's not all yours and all yours. And it's not your differences, Pentecostals, Baptists, Lutherans, Pentecostals again, yeah. Everybody, no, no, it's not your rules. It's not your, take the ram. Take the ram. It's not your ideas. It's not your ideas. And it's not mine. I decrease and he increases. And I'm telling you, I'm standing in the middle of the aisle of this church telling you today that you are saved because of the ram. He is the substitute. You should have been killed. You should have died. The law would kill us. None of, none of us can survive the commandment of God. But when God interrupted it all and said, just a minute, stop. I get it. Now, there's a ram. And he saw it. He saw it. All I can do is preach it to you. I can't make you take it. I can tell you. And you can argue and you can say what, but yeah, but yeah, but well, uh, you what? Just shut up and take the ram. <laughs> I admit it. I was wrong. I complicated the issue. I tried to make more out of it. I tried to personalize it. 
I did. We came up with ways of baptism. As if that's more important than the ram. Like we have an experience, many of you have experienced the manifestation of the Spirit speaking in other tongues. And we made that such a big deal. And it is a big deal. But it's not the ram. Going to church. You know, Jesus always did what I never seemed to do. And I always do what he never seemed to do. You catch him, you know where he's at? On the street talking to folks or at parties. And we go to church. Everybody should put their hand over their mouth like this and go, hmm. Ooh. I saw a cartoon the other day. Jesus is knocking at the door like in the book of Revelations, knocking at the door, and he says, open the door and let me in. The guy behind the door said, but what if I don't? The next scene is Jesus says, I'm going to send you to hell and burn you forever. Tell me that's not twisted. Tell me that's not what people believe, that that's so twisted. I'll tell you what, if you don't open the door today, he'll be knocking tomorrow. If you don't receive him right now, he'll get in your car with you and go home. Ha! And if you're fearful and crazy and tonight when you lay down in bed, you hear him. And you walk away for 10 years, somebody that's been away a long time, say amen. You go away for 20 years, you find yourself in the ditch, you find yourself out in the dark. And the moment it gets quiet, you know what you'll hear? Are you listening to me? Because religion can't stop it. It's the ram. He's the ram. He is the ram. He is the ram of Leviticus chapter 5 who takes away your sins that you didn't do. He's also the, the, the sacrifice, Isaiah 53. He takes away all of our transgressions. On him, he laid all of the sins and iniquities of us all on him. He's the ram. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Somebody shout, take the ram. So I could say, take the coat. Take the boat. Take the ram. Take the ram. So at the Passover, what did God say to Moses? Tell the people, take a lamb. Take the blood. Take some hyssop and put the blood over the doorpost. Take the blood. What did he say when he got into the desert? You need water? Take a drink. Right out of the rock. You need some food? Take the manna. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. Take the lamb, take the food, take the water. When we do communion, you know what I tell you? Take a bite. Go on, take a bite, baby. Take a drink. Take a drink of this. Take the ram. Hallelujah. The prodigal got back, and he said, I'm not worthy to be here. And you know what his dad said? Take the robe, son. Take the ring. Take some shoes. You are a son. You didn't lose your sonship because you went astray. Luke chapter 15 talks about a Sheep that's lost, a coin that's lost, and a son that's lost. That's what it says. But that's not what I believe. It's a coin that's found, a sheep that's found, and a son that's found. If it means anything, it means everything that's lost will be found. Why? Because he's the ram. He's the substitute. Somebody shall praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to give you one more. I'm going to quit. What time is it? What time is it? It's 12. I got time for one more. I got time. I want you to look at Luke 5. Did I give you this Luke 5, 1? Maybe it didn't. 
Luke 5. This will make it personal. This is going to, I'll finish. God knows I could preach all day long today. Take the ram. Um, from the prayer chair that I sit in every morning, um, the opening to that room goes to the hall to our bedroom, Ray and Kathy, and then it turns and goes to the hall to the living room and the kitchen. Above the door, there's a space, like there would be a space above the eaves for these lights. There's a space above the door. And I told Terry, of all the decorations in our house, and I, I don't know how many exactly there are, but like uh, 13,471, I think. <laughs> if you don't mind, I won't say a bad word, but it's Christmas, you fill in the blank. It's all this stuff, Okay. Over that door, it's blank. It's the only blank place on any wall in any place in our house. There's one blank place, and it's because she can't see that high. And I said, I want a board. I want it like a barn board, and I want on it, take the ram. Because that says it all. Take the ram. Receive Jesus. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Take him. Are you sick? Take the ram. Are you confused religiously? Take the ram. Are you guilty and screwed up religiously? Take the ram. If you come from a different background, I came, I'm a blue blood. I'm a straight stream Pentecostal. I need Jesus more than anybody I know to heal me and save me from Pentecostalism and all the stuff that I, what would we do? To Isaac, we'd kill our kids. We would actually sacrifice our future and our children. God said so. God told me to. Oh, just a minute. There's a ram. It's a substitute for all that madness. It's a substitute for your pain. It's a substitute for your worry. Noah, it's a substitute so you don't ever have to worry again. You don't have to fret ever again. You are saved by Jesus Christ. Take the ram, Noah, because then you don't have to waste all of your time and energy on all of that stuff. You can live the life God has called you to live. You can flourish and enjoy. And when everybody else is nervous about the economy or who's going to be the president or what's going to happen in China, you say, hey, I got the ram, baby. I got the ram. You can have China and you can have, I got the ram. Are you hearing me? Is anybody hearing me today? I'm trying. I, yeah, it was noon, what, three minutes ago? Now i got to read. Luke 5. One day, this is verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats do you remember this story? The one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. That's why I have a boat. It's the will of God. What are you laughing at? When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, you remember the story? Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we're going to let down the nets. Remember the little Sunday school song? Huh? Fished all night, but we caught no fishes. Fished all night, but we caught no fishes. Fished all night, but we caught no fishes. Right? They fished all night, caught nothing, but we'll do this. 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said, Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. Did I just turn this on? Wonderful old story. Cool, cool story for the kids. Fished all night, and then they got these fish. Are you listening to me? The first response from Peter. Go away. I can't take this. I'm a sinful man. Watch me, Sparky. This is me. Go away, God. I know who I am. Go away. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I can't take this. I'm bad. Take the fish. Enough to feed your families. More provision than you've ever seen in your lives. I know you're bad. I know who you are. It's your boat. But I, I can't take this. Not, maybe, maybe you should bless Ray. Maybe, maybe give it to Joe. He's been good. Maybe, maybe Jesse. But I, I can't take it. I'm bad. I love the story, but for God's sake, don't stir my spirit up. Leave him in the manger. No. See it? You see that ram? Caught by its horns in that thicket? I'm giving it to you, bro, so you don't have to kill your son. I'm going to substitute so you don't have to bear that pain, so you don't have to live with that grief. I know you're no good, Peter. That's why I gave you the fish. So you'd take it. So you'd understand it's not about how good you are or how bad you are. Please hear me. Religion has screwed our thinking up. If you'll get good, I'll get you some fish. But if it's a gift... And if you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, and it is by grace that you are saved. It's a gift that you are saved. It's a gift from God that you are saved. It's a gift from heaven. It's the Christmas present. Take the ram. Take the ram. You have a good Christmas. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. 
You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. To learn more about Grace Place, please visit our website at graceplacemn.org. Thanks for listening. May God bless you this week.